0: Hello, and welcome to No Nonsense Catholic. I'm your host, Matthew Arnold, for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And we are going to be talking today, of course, about uh, Pope Francis consecrating Russia and Ukraine and the whole world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And we'll talk a little bit about the Fatima message in general, and specifically the, the promises of Our Lady of Fatima and the important conditions that she set for their Fulfillment, are those conditions being met or not? Is it, as some have suggested, uh, too late? And, and what about, uh, what do you say to criticism of uh, previous consecrations and, uh, and the upcoming consecration this Friday, because there's no, there's no lack of criticism. So we're going to be talking about all those things and more, but as usual, I want to begin with the readings for the uh, this past Sunday in the extraordinary form. It's the third Sunday of Lent, and we're using as our translation the New Catholic Bible. The epistle is taken from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a sacrificial offering, whose fragrance is pleasing to God. Indeed, fornication, and impurity of any kind, as well as greed, should not even be mentioned among you. Oh, I beg your pardon. Uh, Should not even be mentioned among you. Such talk is not fitting for saints. You should never engage in any obscene or foolish or suggestive conversation. All this is completely out of place. Instead, you should rather be engaged in offering thanks to God. You can be absolutely certain that no immoral or impure person or one who is greedy, that is, an idolater, will have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with worthless arguments. These are the very things that bring down the wrath of God on those who are disobedient. Do not associate with them. Once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord." live as children of light for light produces all goodness and righteousness and truth now this doesn't require a lot of exegesis i think uh, st paul is being pretty plain christians are called to uh, to live and to be children of light and we're meant to imitate god uh, our father the way a child imitates his earthly father we are to walk in love like christ and we are to avoid sin Especially immorality, impurity, and greed, which St. Paul identifies as idolatry. To fail in this, to to fail to live as children of light, is to lose your inheritance in the kingdom. That's pretty plain. Now, uh, the Holy Gospel for the third Sunday of Lent in the extraordinary form is taken from Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 28. (coughs) Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. (coughs) And when the demon had gone out, the man who was mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Others, to test him, demanded a sign from heaven. However, he knew what they were thinking, and he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a house divided against itself will collapse. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. Now if it is by Beelzebul that I cast out demons, by whom do your own children cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe. But when someone who is stronger than he is attacks and overpowers him, he carries off all the weapons upon which the owner relied and distributes the plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather gather with me scatters when an unclean spirit goes out of a person it wanders through waterless regions seeking a place to rest and if it finds none it says i will return to the home from which i departed however when it returns it finds that home swept and put in order then it goes off and brings back seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they enter and settle there As a result, the plight of that person is worse than before. While he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out to him and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that nursed you. Jesus replied, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Thus far, the words of the Holy Gospel. Now, there are many themes here, too many uh, for us to go into today because we have a lot to talk about uh otherwise but but these themes include are well are you for or against jesus Uh, that there can be no compromise that our lord says whoever is not with me is against me whoever does not gather with me scatters he uh he also explains the the nature of the ongoing offensive from the evil spirit how when an evil spirit is cast out uh if you don't you don't replace that Evil spirit with a good one, then he will come back with uh, seven more wicked than himself, right? And of course, he gives us the definition of true blessedness. Now, this whole episode begins uh, when the suspicion with which uh, Jesus' adversaries regard him becomes an accusation and, and a trap, you know, a snare for him. And they accuse him of being an agent of Satan. And then they demand signs, they demand that he do miracles. And as that confrontation becomes more and more marked, uh, Jesus doesn't soften his message in any way. Uh, On the contrary, he demands that you choose for or against him. The time of waiting for the Messiah is over. The time uh, of decision is at hand. Are you for him or against him? And Jesus points out that there are different groups um, that were casting out demons, And he uses the word children that that designates the the, the members of the disciples of such a group. And he asks why his opponents should be suspicious of him, especially since when he casts out demons, he actually cures the sicknesses, right? Uh, His exorcisms and and the miracles that he works demonstrate the power of God. Uh, Because in order to conquer Satan, one has to be stronger than he is you know it's it's funny there's a a mural that I've seen uh, I saw in a Protestant uh, community a while back, and it shows Jesus and Satan uh, locked in in a uh, arm wrestling mode, you know, And it's like no, that no, you know jesus and 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 Satan are not some kind of equal footing struggling with each other. The victory over Satan's won. Satan's a creature, Christ is God, you know, second person of the Blessed Trinity if anything that that uh, that it should have been the blessed virgin uh you know arm wrestling with with satan because she's the one who is you know currently helping us out but this victory's one and and speaking of the blessed virgin a word on this last verse it's variously rendered um but you pretty much in english you always see the word rather the woman says blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that nursed you and jesus answers Rather blessed, rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, the problem is the word rather. Because, you know, many of our separated brethren take the word rather in the sense uh, that it is used to indicate uh, a preference in some particular matter. Like, uh, I would rather have beer than wine. I would rather have Mexican food than Italian food, whatever it is. But it has another meaning. It can also mean, rather means to, to a significant extent. Or, or degree, right? In other words, like, it's a rather hot day, or she's been behaving rather strangely, okay? Now, in older British English, um, you know, all of the Douay-Rheims and the King James, rather was used it as an exclamation that expressed agreement, in fact, emphatic agreement, or, or affirmation or acceptance. You're glad to be home, aren't you? Rather, yes, okay. So this is the way the classic uh, uh, Douay Reims uh, translates our Lord's response. He says, "Yea, rather, blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it. Yea, rather, comma, blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it." So yes, indeed, blessed are they, etc. Or yes, very blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Um, and, and the fact that the word uh, that the Douay is using that word rather in this sense is demonstrated by the fact that when the woman says, blessed is the womb that bore you, etc., the first word of his response is yes, yea, rather. Not all uh, translations include that word. So as always, when I need a tiebreaker, I go to the, the, uh, the one and only translation of the Bible considered by the church to be definitive in such matters, the Latin Vulgate. And in the Vulgate, the word translated rather is quinimo, and quinimo means truly, indeed, in fact. Quinimo beati, truly blessed, blessed indeed. Rather, blessed. So clearly, Jesus is not correcting or, or contradicting this woman. He's agreeing with her. And he's confirming the words of the Holy Spirit who inspired Saint Elizabeth, uh, Saint Elizabeth to say to Mary, Blessed is she who believed. That what the the Lord had said to her will be fulfilled. Mary, who the scripture uh, tells us treasured all these words in her heart, is the exemplar par excellence of the one who hears the words of God and keeps them, as our Lord said. Okay, that's true blessedness, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the consecration to Russia and the Ukraine by Pope Francis, the previous uh, uh, consecrations and also kind of the criticisms that have been uh, posited against them. So all that and more when we come back with lots more no-nonsense Catholic on Virgin Most Powerful Radio right after this. Welcome back to No Nonsense Catholic. Um, Until now, and I mean until this very moment, I have refrained from commenting about the uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict. And for the simple reason that I am a catechist, not an expert in geopolitics. But as you certainly know, especially if you're Catholic, um, Pope Francis has announced that he will consecrate uh, Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, on this coming Friday, the 25th of March. Now, it's an auspicious date uh, to perform this consecration because the 25th is the Feast of the Annunciation. And also, March 25th is the traditional date ascribed to the crucifixion. So, you know, Our Lady's fiat, her yes to the angel Gabriel, was the event that set in motion uh, the redemption of the world, which was accomplished by Christ on the wood of the Holy Cross on that first Good Friday, on March the 25th. So, um, we're going to take a look at how all that relates to the message of Fatima, and, 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 and not just to what the Pope's doing, uh, but also what you can do. Now, when I started um, at VMPR, I actually had uh, a daily program. I was on Monday through Friday. And then, due to various circumstances, I, I pulled back to one day a week. And that's good and bad. I mean, the bad thing is that uh, I, I don't get to uh, respond immediately to whatever is happening in the news, whatever happening, is happening in the world, uh, the church. Uh, but the good thing, of course, is I'm not tyrannized by novelty. And, and it gives me the time to allow the story to unfold and the facts to come out and to reflect a little bit before I offer my commentary. Uh, and I've noticed, and being, being Catholic these 20 six, 27 years, whatever it is, that uh, whenever Russia is in the news, in Catholic circles, the question arises about the, quote-unquote, validity of the 1984 consecration uh, of the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary by St. John Paul II, also on the 25th of March, by the way. But, you know, Pope John Paul II was not the first pope to uh, do a consecration to the Immaculate Heart, you know, the devotion to Our Lady of Fatima was approved by Pope Pius XII in 1943. And then he approved the uh, the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary in 1945. And he did that in order to promote this devotion for peace in the world. He was the first pope to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And, and it's interesting how they got lost in the shuffle. Pope Pius XII consecrated Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in 1952 in an apostolic letter called Carissimus Rusiae Populis on the Immaculate Heart and the people of Russia. But subsequently people said, well, you know, he, he didn't do, it wasn't a public consecration. He didn't do it in union with the bishops of the world. He, he just put out a letter, right? So it doesn't count. Uh, And I would mention that most American Catholics were not aware of Our Lady of Fatima until after William Thomas Walsh wrote his book on Our Lady of Fatima in 1954. You know, in 1969, Paul VI consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, but not specifically Russia. Now, why is this? And I suspect, you know, it's the same thing with Pope Pius XII. When he did the consecration in 1952, the punishments... That Our Lady said would happen if the Pope failed to uh, uh, consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart had already happened. And the errors of Russia had spread around the world. So maybe Paul VI felt like consecrating Russia wasn't sufficient anymore. So he consecrated the whole world uh, to the Immaculate Heart in 1969. But again, people said, well, that doesn't count because he didn't specifically uh, name Russia. In 1982. And then again in 1984... Pope St. John Paul II likewise consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart in union with the bishops of the world. But, you know, people criticized the 1982 consecration because he didn't mention Russia. So in 1984, he asked of Our Lady, I'm quoting, enlighten especially the peoples whose consecration and entrustment by us you are awaiting. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But again, folks say, well, it wasn't valid because he didn't say the word Russia. He didn't specifically name Russia. Okay. Okay. So when Pope Francis announces that he's going to consecrate Russia uh, to the Immaculate Heart, by name, Russia and Ukraine, uh, all the usual suspects immediately rushed onto social media uh, with all the reasons why his consecration would not fulfill uh, the the request, wouldn't satisfy the request of Our Lady of Fatima. And this was predictable. I mean, I told my wife before I saw any social media about it. Um, that that you know uh, that the usual suspects, so to speak, would never be satisfied no matter what the pope does. And by the way, when I say the usual suspects, I'm I'm talking about <clears throat> certain individual commentators and groups and even apostolates whose entire reason for existing seems to be you know seems to hinge on the idea that the consecration of Russia has never been done properly, right? Which is to say, as requested by Our Lady of Fatima. So keeping in mind my New Year's resolution to stop being nice, I will admit that from time to time over the last 25 or so years, I have wished that whoever was Pope, whoever was sitting in in the throne of Peter at that time, would just ask these people, what exactly do you want? And then do it, you know, just to silence them. You know, just to to get them to keep quiet about it. You know, and, and frankly, okay, I'm sympathetic. I understand why I mean, in light of pope francis's many controversial actions and opinions that some people you know w- would construe this consecration as just as political theater right as an attempt to silence his critics by by doing something near and dear to the heart of of traditionalist and and conservative catholics and i also understand how how pride can factor in you know i mean after all of the things all these really harsh things that people said about pope francis <clears throat> you know maybe they they feel like they can hardly start praising him now and and i will admit that i too have been critical of of this pontificate in pretty specific terms and and but i also hope that i've tried to give credit where credits due that i've been critical of the pontificate, but that I've hopefully avoided falling into a critical spirit where I just have a knee-jerk negative reaction to everything. So let me go on record right now as saying I can't help but think that this consecration is a good thing, okay? Turning to Our Lady in times of crisis is exactly the response that you hope for from the Pope and the Church. And, you know, so why so much negativity? I mean, when Pope Francis announced that he was going to consecrate Russia and Ukraine, the same people, the same people who criticized John Paul II for not mentioning Russia when he consecrated the world were now saying that, well, Our Lady of Fatima only asked for the consecration of Russia, not Ukraine, so the consecration of Ukraine is going to invalidate it. Uh, and I imagine, though, that if the reverse were true, it's just as likely that those same people would point out that at the time when Our Lady of Fatima made her request that Ukraine was part of Russia. And so if he didn't mention Ukraine, they would say that he should have. So clearly, I cannot choose the wine in front of you. (laughs) You Others have pointed out that Our Lady of Fatima asked the Pope to consecrate Russia in union with all the bishops of the world, but Pope Francis didn't ask that. See, this is the good thing about letting the story unfold, because it turns out that Francis did invite all the bishops throughout the world to join him in the consecration. Further, he asked the bishops to invite all the priests and religious and the faithful to, quoting now from the Vatican press release, to participate in the consecration that day in fraternal union, unquote. So, so what happened when people learned that Pope Francis did, in fact, request the bishops of the world to join him in the consecration? Well, some people said, "Why did he only request that the bishops join him? Why didn't he order them to?" Seriously, um, I can tell you that it was long maintained by Father Nicholas Gruner, the uh, the self proclaimed Fatima priest, God rest his soul, uh, that you know, in order to be certain of complying with Our Lady Fatima's request that that any Pope who wanted to do the consecration right should command the bishops to participate. And further, he said uh, that the Pope should impose a canonical penalty for failing to do so, namely the loss of their Episcopal office. And why? He said, well, his reasoning was that this would ensure that all the Catholic bishops of the world would have consecrated Russia in union with the Pope because any bishop who failed to consecrate Russia would no longer be a bishop. Eh? So apparently he felt that if one bishop failed to actively participate, it would invalidate the terms of Our Lady's request. So I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. Now, I, I have to say this. I knew Father Gruner personally okay and i had and I had a great respect for his fervor and and there was a time when I was absolutely convinced uh, that he was right, okay? You know, I knew him in my kind of hardcore traditional Catholic days. I dined with him personally. I spent time with him privately. I conversed with him privately as a matter of fact, I had one extended conversation, just uh, the two of us, just me and Father Gruner, over the course of about three hours where I asked him, every pertinent question I could imagine about Fatima and the consecration of Russia, and I videotaped the whole thing, with his <laughs> consent, of course, uh, with the intention of making it into a DVD for the Fatima Center. Now, due to an, a number of circumstances, uh, some of which I now believe to be quite providential, that DVD didn't happen. But, but in any case, don't send me nasty grams or emails about what Father Gruner said, because I know firsthand, okay? Okay. Now, all that said, I think it would be well to take a moment and think about what the words in union with mean. When a priest says Mass, okay, ordinary form, extraordinary form, Eastern Rite Mass, Anglican Ordinary at Mass. If he's saying Mass privately or publicly, if, he, if he's by himself without even, and not just without a congregation, but without even a server, okay, just him and God at the altar in whatever rite or form, we say that he offers mass in union with the whole church. I pray the Liturgy of the Hours, okay? Now, I pray the shorter version, what's called Shorter Christian Prayer. So, um, morning, evening, and night prayer. Lauds, Vespers, Vespers, and Compline. And, and I do it alone. I, I, don't, I don't pray with a community. I'm not part of a religious group. I don't do it at church. Um, and yet I offer these, and they're liturgical prayers, and I offer them in union with the whole church. I mean, that, that's what the church tells us. You know, I'm, and obviously I'm not offering those prayers at the same time as everybody else who's praying the office. You know, when I'm praying Lodz, people in New York are already eating lunch. And when I get around to Compline, they've already gone to bed and so on around the world. You know, you go around the world, you also go around the clock. And, you know, I'm not uh, doing it at the same time or even with exactly uh, the same prayers, you know. Some people, Catholics, are praying uh, according to the liturgical books of 1962, right? They're praying the, the, the older office. Some are praying the Novus Order Liturgy, the hours with the offerings of readings. I'm doing the short form. And still, we pray in union with the church's liturgical prayer, and with the whole church, whether, you know, even Catholics who are not praying the hours at all. And so I think that in union with may be more about intention than it is about participation. More about that when we come back. Stick with us. No Nonsense Catholic here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to No Nonsense Catholic, talking about the consecration of Russia and Ukraine, along with the uh, Church and the World, by Pope Francis, coming up this Friday. And we were talking about doing it in union with the bishops. And, you know, I think that uh, Pope Francis is really doing everything he can, even announcing uh, this specific time. You know, they're starting a, a Lenten... Service at five o'clock Rome time. He expects to do the consecration beginning around six thirty, so that those bishops around the world that want to do it in union with him, in the sense of doing it exactly at the same time or whatever, will have the opportunity. Um, you know, I think he's doing his level best to to, to cross all the Ts and dot all the I's, uh, and to avoid the criticism that have been leveled against his uh, his predecessors. Um, but another thing I've seen brought up is is regarding the text, right? Because up until I, yesterday, uh, I think, or maybe the day before, I think yesterday, or the day before, um, the the text had not been released, you know, and, and like the, the Fatima Center uh, for years, they've had a novena that you could pray for the proper consecration of Russia, and and they would say that text is absolutely essential because it has to be a true and proper consecration, you know, according to their criteria, of course. Uh, and and yesterday it was it was yesterday that the uh, the Vatican released this rather lengthy uh, text that Pope Francis will use uh, on Friday. And it's too long to rehearse the whole thing here. You can find it online. Uh, I think Terry last hour said that he wanted them to put it up on our website. so so you can read the whole thing for yourself. But here's the pertinent line: Therefore, Mother of God and our Mother, to your immaculate heart, we solemnly entrust and consecrate ourselves, the Church, and all humanity, especially Russia and Ukraine. Now, sounds good to me. Okay, and now no doubt there are those who will find fault with it, and, and that's the question. I think why why are so many Fatima devotees so upset when it seems like they're, they're getting exactly what they asked for? You know, I mean, I guess once burned, twice shy, but. But it's especially distressing to me, I think, because there's so many, many good-hearted, faithful Catholics who are all cut up on this, you know, kind of, kind of on one side or the other. And and for those who have taken a negative view, I suspect that maybe one reason is fear. I mean, even subconscious, it's a fear that nothing's going to happen. You know, when that 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 era of a thousand years of peace didn't begin immediately after the consecration in 1984. You know, people started blaming John Paul II for not doing the consecration right. Uh, you know, and, but then when the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991. They said, well, that wasn't because of the consecration. See, because Russia didn't convert like Our Lady said they would. You know, and what does that mean? Russia is no longer officially an atheist state. You know, what are we looking for regarding the, the so-called conversion of Russia? That, that every man, woman and child in Russia become Catholic? That, that Russia become a, 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 confe- a Catholic confessional state? You know, I, that, that's asking a lot. France, the first order of the church, isn't a Catholic confessional state. The United States certainly isn't. Even Poland, through an act of their parliament, they made Christ the king of, of Poland. And they're still not a Catholic confessional state, right? And I think, really, that's another reason why uh, March the 25th is a significant time to do this. You know, John Paul II did the 84 consecration on the 25th. But he chose that date because of the Annunciation. And also, uh, according to tradition, the 25th is the date of the crucifixion, pardon me, the first Good Friday. But let me ask you a question. When the angel Gabriel appeared to the Blessed Virgin Mary and asked her if she would be the mother of God, Bishop Sheen tells us that all of heaven held its breath. That the entire redemption of the world hinged upon the answer of this Young maiden in Nazareth. And when she gave her fiat and, and God became man under her heart, peace, the peace of Christ, entered the world. But who knew? God, certainly, and the Blessed Virgin. Uh, Saint Elizabeth, sometime later, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But, but, but who knew? What changed? And we know that, that, that there was a big change, but, but nobody could see it. And on that other 25th of March, when, when Christ was crucified, when he won our redemption, all the merits needed for the, for the salvation of the entire world, who knew? Even the apostles to whom he had prophesied this, to whom he had told them, they They scattered. You know, I venture to say that the Blessed Virgin Mary was the only person who really knew what was going on at Calvary. I mean, other than our Lord himself, of course. But but even that, the most important event in the history of history, followed by uh, his his resurrection, 40 days of instruction, his ascension into heaven, the sending of the Holy Spirit, the, the miraculous ministry of the apostles where they, they continued his earthly ministry complete with miracles and, and raising people from the dead, even. And, and, this, and this great teaching. But you know what? Who knew? The 12, the 120, uh, the, the, the 3,000 that were baptized... Uh, and and and, all, and those who heard their preaching, yes, people were convinced, but the world didn't change very much. Two-thirds of the Roman Empire was still enslaved. And after that, all of those miraculous happenings and, and the creation of this ministry, this apostle of the church, it was followed by hundreds of years of brutal persecution and marginalization and unbelief that continues even to this day. So my point is that, that even when the triumph of the Immaculate Heart begins, if it hasn't already, it's likely that most people won't believe in it or even be aware of it. And maybe even some of those who are waiting for it. Because, and this this isn't nice to say, but because, like the scribes and Pharisees of old who didn't recognize Jesus, the Messiah. They won't recognize this triumph of the Immaculate Heart because it doesn't fit with their preconceived ideas. And besides, strictly speaking, the promises associated with the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart were not made for our day. Our Lady announced that uh, uh, the the punishments that would follow if the consecration was not done. She told the children of Fatima that the war, meaning World War I, right, this is 1917, um, that, that World War I would end but that it would be followed by a second world war, even worse than the first, and that Russia would spread her errors of, of atheism uh, you know, and, and, and communism around the world, unless the Pope consecrated her immaculate heart in union with the bishops of the world. Now, think about this. Let's look at the, the timeline. The Fatima apparitions were only declared authentic by the Bishop of Liera Fatima in 1930, so the Pope at that time was Pius XI. Consequently, if Pius XI had done the consecration, then we might expect that there would have been no World War II, you know, through which Russia captured half of, the, uh, half of Europe you know, and gaining the, the economic uh, means to spread atheism and communism around the world. Russia would have been converted, which is to say would have turned away from her militant atheism before she had the power to spread it around the world. So there would have been no Soviet Union, no, no Red China, no communist North Korea, no communist Vietnam, no communist Cuba, no, no multitude of, of Christian martyrs in those countries. Uh, there would have been no Russian support for communist uprisings in, in Africa and in Asia and South America. Um, Christian countries wouldn't have been morally and spiritually undermined by by Soviet propaganda and and by the, the Marxist propaganda that continues even now, even here. There might have been peace throughout the world in the second half of the 20th century. And the West would certainly have been better off. That's what might have happened if Pius XI had done the consecration. But as we know, Pius XI did not consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart. So World War II did happen. And atheism and Marxism have spread around the world. So precisely what do folks expect to happen as a result of this consecration by Pope Francis? You know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I am pretty sure that we're not going back in time. I'm pretty sure that, that World War II and, and international communism will still be, you know, will still have happened, will still be a problem. What I know for sure is that on Ash Wednesday, the bishops of Ukraine asked Pope Francis to consecrate Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and he's doing it. That's what I know. I'm not aware of Pope Francis making any claims about fulfilling the requests of Our Lady of Fatima. You know, in any event, like I said, I can only imagine that it is, I can only believe that it's a good thing that the Pope and so many bishops around the world are making this consecration. Um, to date, I mean, before I left my computer, uh, it was the Greek and Latin Rite bishops of Ukraine have made the commitment to, to join in the consecration. Ditto the bishops conference of Latin America, Selem, uh, the United States conference of Catholic bishops, bishops of England and Wales, the Philippines, Spain the commission of the Bishops' Conferences of the European Union, Slovakia, Nicaragua, Kazakhstan, Australia, Poland, Ireland, and Bishop Brislin of South Africa, with more to come, hopefully. And how is that not a good thing? Plus all the priests and and religious and and the faithful offering um, this consecration in union with the Pope. Uh, Matteo Bru- uh, Brunis, a Vatican spokesman, he confirmed, uh, I think, yesterday that Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI will join in the consecration of Russia and Ukraine, right? Privately, he says, from the monastery of Mater Ecclesia. And this is an issue for me. I mean, we're, we're, the poor set of Acantists, they can't accept this consecration because they don't believe Francis is pope, right? And But I think this is this is like an escape clause for the Benevacantists, right? Those people that think that that Benedict never properly resigns, so technically he's still Pope, right? And Francis isn't. Well, as long as Benedict's doing it, I guess the the real Pope is doing it after all, you know, whatever. Um, It's interesting that that the bishops of Germany have been predictably critical, but from the other direction. They uh, sent a missive to the Pope, scolding him for making his consecration too Eurocentric. So you can't please everybody, either on on the right or the left. Uh, Anyway, going to talk a little bit more about validity uh, of the 1984 and, and what Sister Lucy and the children of Fatima and Our Lady had to say about all this when we return. Lots more. No Nonsense Catholic right after this here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stick with us. We will return after these messages. Welcome back. As I mentioned earlier in the program, every time Russia is in the news, uh, um, the question comes up in Catholic circles about whether or not um, John Paul II's 1984 consecration to the world or of the world of the Immaculate Heart was valid, quote unquote. Meaning, did it fulfill the request of Our Lady of Fatima? But amid the controversy, I'm I'm afraid that th- that the message may be lost. The message was about the spread of atheism, and the loss of souls to hell because of the world's indifference to God. It was about reparation for the the many outrages against our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament and against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The angel of Portugal first appeared to the children in 1916 and told them to pray and make sacrifices for sinners and to pray for peace. He taught them a prayer of reparation to Jesus in the Eucharist. And then when Our Lady appeared in 1917, she told the children, you must pray the rosary and pray it devoutly. She asked that all Catholics say a third part of the rosary, that's her words, in other words, five decades or mysteries of the Dominican rosary, every day. Then, you know, Jacinta and Francisco died in 1919 and 1920, respectively, and then Sister Lucy went into the convent. She was first a Dorothea nun and then uh, became a Carmelite. But in December of 1925, Our Lady appeared to her and requested the first Saturday devotion. And then a couple of months later, it was February of 1926, the child Jesus appeared to her right there in the courtyard of her convent and said, what is being done to spread devotion to the Immaculate Heart? See, because the first Saturday devotion wasn't being spread the way Our Lady had requested it. So I think the question we have to ask ourselves is have we done our part in fulfilling the requests that Our Lady made at Fatima? Do you pray five decades of the rosary every day? Have you made the first five Saturdays? See, because if the answer is no, then why not? And if the answer is yes, what are you doing to help spread devotion to the Immaculate Heart? In 1993, just a couple of years after the fall of the Soviet Union, Sister Lucy defined uh, three phases of Fatima. She said the first was the apparitions, the second was to obtain the change in Russia, and the third phase is to obtain the era of peace. And she said that the fulfillment of the basic requests would have prevented all the wars that had taken place to that time. And then she said that adding the first Saturday devotion to the basic requests could prevent the annihilation of several nations, which, I mean, that that sounds very much like an allusion to uh, possibly, like a nuclear conflict. Again, I, she didn't say that explicitly. Um, but then she, you know, she gave Our Lady's promise. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. Russia will be converted, and an era of peace will be granted to mankind. Now, Lucy said the consecration was intended to help Russia convert, meaning you know, convert means to, to you know, to to return away from its atheistic direction but that the first Saturday devotion would make that conversion more perfect. Uh, the late Father Andrew Apostoli, who, again, I, I was personally acquainted with Father Apostoli. He was ordained by Bishop Sheen. He became one of the Franciscan friars of the Renewal with Father Gouchelle. He, uh, he was named postulator of the cause of Bishop Sheen. Uh, he was the original cause postulator before he died. Um, and he said back in 2005 that it's essential to the peace of the world that we respond to Our Lady's requests as fully as we can. Sister Lucio dos Santos declared that heaven accepted the 1984 consecration. Okay, again, no letters or nasty grams. I'm just telling you what Father Apostoli said. What remains for us now more than ever is to carry out Our Lady's request for the special First Saturday devotion. Our Lady herself assures us that this devotion plays a significant part in her promise of the ultimate triumph of her immaculate heart. Here it is. People are very excited about this. Some of them are thinking, wow, this is the thing, it's, everything's gonna change now. There's gonna be peace in, in, in the world, and all this stuff's gonna happen. And some are preparing for that not to happen and, and preparing to be upset about it. But the fact of the matter is I think what after the pope and the bishops and, and and you and I uh participate join in union making this consecration of Russia you know I don't know what's going to happen because I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet but I suspect that um you know it's not going to be uh, an immediate cease of conflict all around the world you know that, that that this discernible era of peace because I think that you know our lady may well be talking about the, pre, the, 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 the peace that Christ gives, the peace that the world can't give. So it's easy to blame the problems in the church and the world on the pope, or even a succession of popes, not properly consecrating Russia. Uh, but is blaming the pope going to keep souls out of hell? Uh, more to the point, is blaming the pope going to get you into heaven? And if Friday's consecration does bring about the conversion of Russia and and peace on earth, is that going to have any effect on your particular judgment if you're not doing what you need to do to grow in holiness? And the answer to all those questions is no. See, that's up to you. And there's lots of folks on the Internet who are proposing their various action plans. Pray that the Pope will finally get the consecration of Russia right. Circulate petitions to encourage your your uh, bishop and your priest to participate, etc. And all of that is good, all well and good. But I would like to suggest another action plan. Pray the rosary every day, at least five decades of the rosary every day. Say the prayer for Eucharistic reparation that was given by the angel of Portugal to the children at Fatima. My God, I believe, I adore, I trust, and I love you. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not trust, and do not love you. Repeated three times. And by the way, that prayer is in the prayer section on the VMPR smartphone app. So you can go there and find it. Um, Pray, make sacrifices for sinners, pray for peace, bear with patience the suffering that our Lord sees fit to send you. And, and, And don't think that it's necessarily a punishment. Very often the trials and tribulations of our lives are opportunities. He's giving us the the opportunity to be victorious and to overcome these things in our lives. Remember that no soul can be lost by following the simple and well-beaten path of ordinary devotion and prayer. And if you're really concerned about the prophecies and promises of Our Lady of Fatima, then make the first five Saturdays. And and what does that consist of? It's, It's confession, communion, rosary, 15 minutes of meditation and reparation for sins committed against uh, Mary's Immaculate Heart every first Saturday for five consecutive months. Okay, so we, uh, Anthony, uh, the first Saturday is what it's a week from Saturday, right? It will be first Saturday? It's a week after that? Okay. Well, here's here's your action plan. in the next couple of weeks, probably on Saturday, get yourself to confession, especially if you haven't been in a long time, okay? That is absolutely putting a a barrier between us and and the salvation of the world. Go to confession. And then on the first Saturday of April, go to Mass. Receive Holy Communion. And then spend 15 minutes meditating with Our Lady in reparation for the sins committed against Her Immaculate Heart and against the outrages against Our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. All right? Then rinse and repeat five consecutive months. And and be sure to pray the Rosary, not just that day, but every day. There is a plan for you that'll help the world and will help secure the salvation of your soul. Okay. And by the way, I, just around the same time uh, last year, last Lent, I shared on this program the Eucharistic Rosary from Father Lassance's My Prayer Book. Okay. And you can find that on, on, online. I think. Um, Somebody put it up on the Ravate Cheli blog spot a uh, year ago or so, which is what made me uh, want to talk about it uh, on the program. But each of the mysteries has a meditation that's tied into Jesus in the Eucharist. And I would suggest to you that slowly reading those meditations would uh, and offering them, right? those meditations on the mysteries of the rosary in reparation, for offenses against the Immaculate Heart and Jesus in the Eucharist would make a swell 15-minute meditation for first Saturday. Okay? Now, by all means, participate in Friday's consecration of Russia and Ukraine and the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. By all means, you know, attend the consecration in your diocese if they're doing it and, and if it's possible for you to go, or in your church if your priest is doing it. Offer up penance and, and, and make reparation to the Immaculate Heart on her feast day, right? The Annunciation, which is also, as we've mentioned repeatedly, the traditional date for the first Good Friday. You know, and, and the Vatican announced just hours ago that the Vatican was going to, to cover this live on every uh, available platform, including live streaming it on the internet. And I suspect that, you know, it'll, it'll likely be broadcast on EWTN and, and so on. In the meantime, pray for Russia and the Ukraine. Pray for the Church. Pray for the Pope. If you can't watch the consecration in Rome live, if you can't get to your uh, the consecration that's happening publicly in your diocese, you know whatever the time on that Friday, don't despair. Okay, if you if you have other things that you know you have to work, you have to, you know maybe you're a firefighter or you know and the, you know you have some essential uh, duties, you're taking care of a, a sick person or whatever don't despair, don't be discouraged okay offer it you know, spiritually and I think that, and and the Pope specifically said that he wants everybody to to join in union spiritually right, in in, in fraternal union Uh, and then um, you know, pray for the church, pray for the Pope pray for Russia and Ukraine pray for an end to the hostility there and all around the world. Those are the things that we should always be doing, anyhow. And finally, you can make uh, an act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary yourself. Um, like I say, you can f- see Pope Francis's consecration um, that's, uh, you know, it's online, available online right now through Catholic News Service and other places. But uh, Pius XII actually wrote a consecration for the faithful. And I don't know that I have time to read it now. I only have a minute left. But um, I asked uh, Betty to put it on the app. So if you go to the prayer section on the, the Virgin Most Powerful smartphone app, you will find the act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary that you can pray any day or every day. Okay? And in the meantime, God bless you. Remember that you don't have to wait. You can do all of these things right now. And, uh, and we look forward to seeing, uh, your, to participating in this beautiful consecration uh, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And thank you to Pope Francis and the bishops around the world that are, are going to the trouble to do this on behalf of all of us, right? Like, because like I say, turning to Mary in times of crisis is absolutely the Catholic response. And that's no nonsense. All right, we'll see you next week, same time, same channel. Until then, may God richly bless you and your family.